Welcome to Ask Amanda About Marketing, a podcast in which I, Amanda, or occasionally a special guest, answers your questions about inbound marketing. Straightforward, right? If you want to submit a question, email me at amanda at frac.tl. I'd love to hear from you. Let's get right to it. I'm excited about this week's question because I realize it's one I haven't really talked much about and a question we haven't really addressed in our blog, so I thought it would be perfect for the podcast. And this week's question comes from Anuja Dia, who is the Director of Engagement and Analytics at Growth Hackers. And his question was this, how about content marketing for whom content marketing isn't a priority? How can you, if at all, start something that can be put on autopilot from the get-go that can at least tide you over until you can put the appropriate resources behind it? That is a great question, and I have to start with a bit of a disclaimer because I don't think that there's ever a time where you can put content marketing strategies on autopilot. I think for content marketing to be successful, it has to be an ongoing effort, which is what makes it challenging, but also what makes it pay out. That being said, I do think that if you're in a position where you can't allot a lot of resources to content marketing at this time, there are things you can do now to set yourself up for success in the future when you do have that time and budget. I just want to make a note here that during editing, I did notice that I said a lot, a lot of resources, and I considered cutting it, but you know what? I'm just going to own it. I like it. It sounds silly, but whatever. It's It makes grammatical sense, and it's going to stay. <laughs> So let's get back to the actual important information in this podcast. I'm going to break down the question into two different parts, on-site content and promotions, which at Fractal, at least, like a lot of the content marketing we do involves the promotional component, which is why I want to include it here too, because it's not really worth making amazing content if no one is going to see it. So when you don't have a lot of resources, one of the best things to do is to consider how you can improve your on-site content. The first way to do this, this is really basic, and you've probably read this in a lot of different blogs. I know Moz talks about it a lot, which is building a keyword list. What are going to be the most important keywords for you based on your current goals right now? So presumably, if you don't have the time or resources for content marketing, you are doing some kind of marketing initiative, and there are goals to those marketing initiatives. So consider what your eventual content marketing goals are going to be or, you know, either what keywords you're working on now that need improvement or which ones you haven't gotten the chance to tackle but are definitely going to be important in the future. Make a list of these keywords, prioritize them, and then you can start kind of deciding what can you work on now and what do you need to queue up in the future. Just because you can't create content right this second doesn't mean that you can't be collecting the resources that you'll need to eventually create that content. So if you have an idea of what's coming down the pipeline, you can collect data sets, you can build connections with people who might be good, you know, people to interview for this topic. There are a lot of different things you can do in little bite-sized pieces now that'll make the job a lot easier down the line. If you do have a bit of time to make some content, I have a few ideas of ways you can make content that either doubles as something else or is easy to create now so that you can at least get something on your site and get the very foundation set for later. So here are some of those ideas. First, create resources that work well for your target audiences and also double as sales materials. So a lot of the time, the question that general audiences might have, or maybe somebody who's midway in the funnel, are going to be similar to the questions that potential clients are going to have or potential customers. So make a list of those questions. See which ones overlap for varying audiences and different levels of your sales funnel 
and do those pieces of content first. I think sometimes it's easy when you're doing thorough research on your different audiences to forget that a lot of the times, not only do the audiences overlap on occasion, but so do their concerns and their questions. So this is something important to consider right up front and prioritize the ones that do have overlap. That way, when you're putting in that extra time and effort, at least the result product is going to end up benefiting you in multiple ways. The next thing I would suggest is creating curated content. And that can take many different forms. And I've seen a lot of debates about this on various blog posts and such. And I think that the important thing to do to make sure it provides value for your audiences is to consider your particular industry. So not everything that works for other industries is necessarily going to apply to yours and be as beneficial to your listeners or readers. So consider what your potential customers or clients value and what you can package together to make life easier for them. So the reason this is a little easier than the typical type of content that involves a lot of research is that this still involves research. You're still going out there and looking for the best things. But A, hopefully you've already have kind of a list of these things since you're following them yourself. And B, you're stringing them together in a curated way that still provides value but doesn't demand that you're creating all of that initial content. So the content that other people are making can still be valuable to your audiences, and what you're doing is putting in the effort to go and find that for them. Because a lot of people don't have time to explore all these different sites and read reviews and you know read a million different blogs and listen to a million different podcasts to know what's going to work best for them. So you doing that does add value, and that's a good way to start building content on your site. The third tip for creating content that you can get together a little more quickly is potentially updating old blog posts. Look at the content you've already created. Explore what's already out there that you've made on your site or maybe in a newsletter or an email list and see how you can repurpose these things. Sometimes repurposing can mean, you know, looking at the information that was in that original post and thinking, would this make a great slide share? Would this make a good topic for a podcast? Think about how that topic is better suited maybe for another medium. So you can look at the content and ask yourself, how can this be reframed in a way that's more easily digestible? So sometimes that means looking at an ebook or a blog post and thinking, is this made up of a series of really straightforward tips that would translate well into a slide share? But sometimes it's looking at something shorter like a slide share and considering, is there a way I can expand upon this? and add more actionable tips and examples that would make it more valuable to readers. So a lot of the times, just going back and taking a look at what you've already produced and seeing how you can update it or enhance it in some way is a great way to be publishing something without starting from scratch. And then as the word update suggests, sometimes you have content that's just kind of old. If it's a couple of years old and you're in an industry where things are changing, there's a really easy opportunity to take that content and update it based on the current practices and you know norms in your industry. And just make sure that when you do that, you're publishing the original one, you're just republishing it and making a note in the, the title or the headline that you've updated it to reflect the current year. The last bit of advice I want to add on is not as much about actually creating the content, but coming up with ideas for content. Because a lot of the time... The ideation process is the most time-consuming. If you don't start with a solid idea, the content you create is just not going to be compelling enough or relevant enough to your audience. So make sure that's also a priority early on in your content marketing strategy. Even when you don't have a lot of time to do it, don't bypass that stage because it's really important. So if you're looking for quick ideas 
for what's going to be valuable, why don't you ask your audience? Message your email list. You know, include the question on a blog post. Wherever you're already interacting with your potential customers, sometimes if you don't have a lot of time, literally just ask them. What questions do you have? What do you want from us that's going to be helpful for you? This is a great way to literally get the questions that you can answer in your content that's really going to satisfy your readers and provide something that they're actually going to find useful. All right, so let's jump into the promotion side of things. I'll be totally honest with you. If you don't have time to even be creating good content, thorough content, you definitely don't have time to be promoting anything. Promotions takes a lot longer than shooting an email to somebody whose address you found somewhere on the web because they wrote something once that you thought was cool. (laughs) That's just not going to cut it. Neither is emailing 50 people, BCCing them, and saying, hey, check this out. People are swarmed with emails. You, You probably know this. You probably are as well. So think about how discerning you are when you're clicking on subject lines and multiply that by 10, at least, for people who are writers and who are getting pitched all the time. There's just not a chance that if you don't have time that you're going to be able to do this in a successful way. But if you are planning on promoting in the future, there are definitely things you can be doing now to set yourself up for later. And that's what I'm going to talk about now. Like I just alluded to, it's really important that you start building connections with people that you plan to pitch because that's going to go a long way in improving your chances of them even clicking on the subject line, let alone reading your email. So that's what I'm going to talk about. When you have this time where you're really strapped and you can't actually do promotions, what you can start to do is start building relationships with people who are influencers in your industry. Okay, so how do you actually reach out to influencers? Here are some tips. The first thing is you have to have some sort of a social foundation on your own, social profiles for people to take you seriously. So if you're not already active on social, start posting things about your own industry, your own brand, and show that you're active there and that you care about the industry and the different news sources that are coming out. And that'll help maybe give you an initial boost. We saw that at Fractal when we started tweeting and using Facebook a little bit more when we were actually posting things we cared about that we were getting a little more attention. So start there. Then, when you have a basis for a LinkedIn profile, a Twitter profile, start trying to build genuine connections with people. Don't go into it thinking, who can I pitch? Who can I pitch? Go into it thinking, who makes sense to build a relationship with in this industry? Who has opinions that are going to matter to me, to my consumers, to my clients? So look for those people and then engage with them. Tweet at them. Email them but not about your own content or your own ambitions or anything like that. I talked to the Fractal Promotions team, actually, to get some tips about the types of things to talk about with different people you're trying to connect with, so I'm going to give you those tips now. One of our media relations specialists put it in a way that I think is great, and she said, you know how parents complain when you only call when you need something? That's the same idea when you're talking to writers. People don't like to only be approached when you need something from them. So when you're starting to build a rapport, compliment something that they wrote recently that you really liked or, you know, like favorite something on Twitter or share something on Twitter that you enjoyed that they did just to show that you appreciate their work. Then, while it's nice to shoot them an email or a tweet saying you really enjoyed something, another cool way to engage them is to actually comment on the original article. You know, if you've ever published something before, you appreciate when people engage directly by liking the actual post and sharing the post, but also just in the comments. That shows a lot for the quality of the piece, and if you do that for others, it's going to mean a lot to them. Then, 
go a little further, and instead of only commenting or liking the things that are on the publication that you're interested in, look to see what else they're working on. Are they writing a book? Do they have their own podcast? See how you like those different things, and if you think that they are really well done, shoot them an email about that. You know, engage with them outside of their direct work, because it's when you actually connect with people on a personal level that you'll start building real connections. I mean, think about when people approach you, okay? You're not going to, yes, you're going to appreciate when they're saying the work you do is great, but you're going to feel differently about them if they're talking about something else in your personal life that they actually have a genuine interest in who you are and, and what you are passionate about. So just take that approach when communicating with people. Don't think that they're just a screen name or they're just a Twitter handle. There is a human being behind that text. Finally, when you're a little further on in the process and there's an understanding that their publication might be great for some of your content, ask them what they would like to see from you. Just like I mentioned, asking your audience is a great way to get ideas for content, so is asking these potential publishers. They might already have an idea on their minds that they can't execute themselves, or maybe they don't have time and they keep putting it on the back burner, and you might have the perfect data set for it. Or you might be struggling to find an idea and they provide it for you, and if they give it to you and you execute it well, they're much more likely to publish it and in a timely manner. So it's a really positive position to be in. And if you're able to build that connection where you feel comfortable asking, it's great strategically. So I think that wraps up all the tips I have in terms of what you can do when content marketing is not a priority now or cannot be executed fully now, but will be in the future and how you can set yourself up to get really high performance later on based on what you have available to you now. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe. Don't leave me with the realization that I'm talking to no one. And please rate and review on iTunes so I can keep making this podcast better and your lives easier. Take care.